book of Jude. Before we in, I read the text, I'd like to read the whole book, 25 verses, and we probably will. Um, before we do that, I'd like to pray. Standing and need some prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day and for allowing us to be able to come. And, and uh, Lord, for your graces and your mercies thrown to me this past week. I pray and ask that you would help me, Lord, today as I'm just tired from the stresses of last week and, uh, and then getting in and my mind's in a lot of places. And I pray and ask that you'll help me to focus upon what you put upon my heart to preach. And I pray most of all that the Spirit of God would move among us, Lord, not only giving me an anointing and words to say and an unction and utterance and boldness, but, Lord, that the Spirit of God would move upon the hearts of the people here today, this morning. And I pray and ask that you would just uh, help us to set aside the cares of life, the things that we faced this past week, the things that we're facing uh, in the coming weeks. And, uh, Lord, just uh, to look into the Word of God and to uh, obtain what you have for us this morning. Amen. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. We ask and pray. Uh, that you'll be with Roy this morning, Virginia. They hope to be here today, and uh, Lord, his illness has kept him from it probably. I pray that you'd work in his life and in and, uh, Virginia's as well, give uh, grace and healing and help. And uh, Lord, as he goes through this, I pray, Lord, for Brother and Sister Hall this morning, that you'd strengthen them, and Lisa, strengthen her as she cares for them. And I pray that you'll give wisdom in the days to come in that matter. Lord, to begin, we pray that you help us to set these things aside and, and focus on what you have for us. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. amen. All right. Uh, so a little, if I might, just a little before we get into the text, a little indendum on Brother uh, Chris's thought this morning. Uh, and uh, one of the things he was talking about, I noticed that in his prayer, of course, he said it while he was he was, uh, you know, giving us the devotion, and I say amen to the devotion, and uh, he, he was talking about, you know, folks talking, and then in his prayer, he talked about the world talking, and that's the way that it should be the world. It shouldn't be the, it shouldn't be the people of God. And I was just wanted to remind us what James chapter 3 says, My brethren, be, it not many, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they obey us. We turn around about their whole body, and we turn around about their whole body. Behold, we also behold also the ships which uh, which uh, the ships which though they be so great are driven of fierce winds. Yet they, they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever uh, the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue. Woo! Not my message today, but you're talking about people talking. The tongue, even so the tongue, is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire, fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue, uh, see, the tongue and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it, may, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of, the na of nature and it is set on fire of hell. And uh, that tongue, unruly. Verse number 7, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue whoo, 
can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, uh, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth. This does go with, what I'm saying now does go with my message in a, in a sense here in a little while this morning. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren, these things ought not so to be. I'll just leave it at that. So, yes, people talk about you, and people will look at you, and if you fall... People will, like he did, everything that he said this morning, if you, if you don't walk circumspectly, if, going back to Brother Glenn's, if you are not trying to sanctify yourself, and going back to one of the things Brother Glenn said this morning that prompted a thought in my heart, is that though men can or do fall and have fallen, they can be restored according to the Scriptures. Amen. It's rough, and yes, there will be the gainsayer, the world, the, those outside that will throw that up in your face all the time, it can be restored in the church house if you follow the guidelines of scriptures through sanctification from the word. So all these things go together, and but as far as our tongues talking, and I'm just going to say it, I'll just say it right here, one of the biggest problems in issues between Bethany and Pollard and Sooner Rose Throwing it out there. These things ought not so to be. And if it happens here, and within 24 hours, Bethany knows about it, something's wrong. If it happens at Bethany or Pollard, and within 24 hours, we know about it, something's wrong. And James said, these things ought not so to be. And that's the truth that Brother uh, Glenn talked about, and that's sanctification. That Brother Glenn talked about is getting a bridle on that thing like that. Woo, help us now. That's free. All right, Jude, chapter number one. Or Jude. Verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the, of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 
Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed uh, about the... Uh, when, let me read that one again. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these... Speak evil of those things which they know not. It goes right along with Brother Chris's devotion this morning. But uh, what they know naturally as brute beast in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever." And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. What are they going to do? He tells us in here in verse number 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now in him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his Glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, Savior, and uh, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> Normally I pray, but we've already prayed. I'm, my morning's message this morning is not so much uh, to deal with, we have to talk about them because they're here in the book of Jude. Not so much to talk about the creeps that crept in unawares, but our response to this. And again, it's just amazing how the Lord lines things up. You know, there's and as I was praying and how that the Lord gave this, I finally got a little bit of, you know, I was praying and I went and got the mail. I was expecting the bills to come in for, and it's probably it's normally the third week, that the it all comes in the same week. The trash are out here, the trash bill and the gas bill and the electric bill. 
And I tried to, you know, I was looking to see if they were in there, and they wasn't. We had a prayer letter and something from a mission board and a card from Brother Hall from Brother Brunson. But I, I was able to get out of the house and just up there, turn off me and, me and the Lord in the quiet car and was praying and uh, felt directed this, this direction. So I, so I was directed just in the last uh, day or two uh, about this thought. And then, you know, Brother Chris, who has been in Psalms, comes in this morning and he goes to Luke. And, and God puts things together, and, and just, and again, we don't, <laughs> I, I just find it amazing, but I, but I find it encouraging because I see that God is guiding in the, the devotion and the Sunday school and the preaching hour, and that when God guides and puts things together like that, it must be important. <laughs> it must, he must be trying to tell us something. And we need to pay attention and listen when we see things line up like that. And uh, so uh, I couldn't get the verse number three, I believe it is. Verse number three is what, you know, the, the, I was impressed with to go, and we went and looked, uh, and we looked at it, and as I was read, read, read through Jude, looking again still about, and we see, you know, the creeps that we, that's what Brother Hall calls them, because it says certain men, verse number four, for certain men crept in unawares. So we're all, when he's preached this, he's called them creeps, right? Men that creep, or that crept, creep, all right? Or creep, crept, they're creeps, all right? They creep in, they crept in, past tense, they crept in unawares. And there's a warning here with Jude, and again, just, I know we dealt with Jude when we got, you know, we got through this on our Sunday nights, but I just want to make mention again to our listening this morning that in verse number one, who is this written to? Verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, here it is, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So sanctified, preserved, and called. So the saved folks, okay? Jude is writing to the saved folks. He's writing to them two things. One, a warning about these creeps, these men that creep in unawares. And he tells us all about, he tells the saints all about these men and how they are, and we dealt with this when we went through Jude, how they are and their, <clears throat> a lot of their, uh, their ways and a lot of their, their demeanor and things to look for as they potentially creep into our churches. You know, he warns us, and he talks about the last days, like Brother Glenn mentioned in the Sunday school hour. <clears throat> and here we are. But, I, but he also gives instruction to the saints in this. He, he, he warns us and he tells us about these, these creeps, these men that crept in unawares, that how that, how that they, uh, and, and these things that they, that they do, and they turn the grace of God in, uh, in, uh, in our God into lasciviousness, and we'll deal with that just a little bit. But all the other things that they do, he gives warning against them, but he tells there's some things that we do. And that's, that's primarily my message as I re-went through this today, uh, yesterday and today, and was praying. I just felt the Lord say, it's to you know, preach to the church what the saints do. And we see that at the end of this chapter. We also see some here in the beginning. So that's my message today. And we were wanting to look what we, our response is. Not so much dwelling on them, but what our response is as children of God. 
So we'll look at it here. So Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ again, to, and the brother of Jesus Christ to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. There's the salutation in the letter. Beloved. So Jude loves the saints. Beloved, or beloved, however you want to put it. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, here it is, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So earnestly contend. Brother Glenn spoke about the truth. And, he, and I wrote this in the margin of my Bible. I do this with teachers and with preachers. When it has these little phrase, and I put, I date it and tell it who it's from. Brother Glenn Pollard, 12, 17, 23. He said this morning, the truth comes through people. And I put it right next to this verse. Because that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered. How was it delivered? Through people. It's the truth, <laughs> right? That it was delivered to, unto the saints by saints through the centuries. And, 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 and Jude here is saying that we saints should earnestly contend. Now, I, I, I focused in on that word contend because that's where the Lord seemed to direct me. And maybe it was because of the conversation I had with my brother. I don't know. Maybe it was somewhere, and I know it's where the Lord directed me, but contend. And, that, and there was a gazillion, I mean, like eight or nine definitions, or at least eight, seven or eight, whatever, maybe. But I've got three definitions here. I've got number two, number three, and number six. And to make application of to figure out, and of course, it, it's Mr. Webster's in his dictionary, he, he does use Jude in one of these definitions. But just a little side note for those that may be here lost today. You can read this. Now, this is written to the saints, and it's talking about the faith, our doctrine, and what we believe in that. But if you're here lost, you know, there is to earnestly contend for the faith and to strive. There's where I to. Uh, to strive for, to, to, uh, to use er, uh, earnest efforts to obtain. And I encourage those that are lost, you know, don't just discount salvation. Look, there's a judgment to come. We read that in here. The judgment is for these creeps. With the, the ten thousands of his saints, Jesus Christ is coming back to execute judgment, verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to conceive all, convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which uh, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He's coming for judgment. We hear that all the time. But sinner, strive for salvation. Reach for salvation. And I got, I, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm musing upon that. For the sinner's sake, for those that are lost' sake, it should be it should be that there's that you're reaching for the the only parachute on a plane that's going down. Let me let me have the parachute. I want saved. I want to be saved. 
I want the parachute that will give me preservation of life. Or it's been said you're going down for the third time. You've treaded water in the ocean as long as you can tread water and you just totally give out. And you go down and with all the strength that you can, you come back up and you see a boat. And you go down again and you come back up and it's closer and there's a life preserver being thrown to you. And that third time going down one more ounce of the strength that you can get up just to reach over and put your hand in that ring of that life preserver. Strive. Earnestly contend. Contend being at strive. And not just discount the trouble of your heart when the Lord troubles you, when the Lord stirs the water, there is that example in the scriptures. I know that it's been contended after about that. What did it mean? Well, why not just face value? And I know when you make applications of salvation, especially using those miracles in the New Te- in the in the four Gospels, you got to be careful there. But I've heard many preachers preach that text of scripture where the water is troubled by the angel. That's the scriptures. He's lame. He can't get himself down to the water. When the, and, and it just says when there was a season that the angel would come and trouble the water, that the first one in the water would be healed of their infirmity. And Jesus comes by and he asks him about being healed. And he says, I have no man to give me to the water when the water troubles it, when the angel troubles it. I can't get there. But there is a perfect, it is a perfect picture of salvation. You can't just jump in the water and get saved any given time. You have to be, it has to be when you're troubled, when the water's troubled. When you're troubled, when the Spirit of God comes by your way and troubles your heart about your sin, that's when to get in. That's when to try to get down to the pool. That's when to call upon him for salvation when he troubles your heart. So don't discount the troubling. When you're troubled, earnestly contend, contend, strive for, and I know that this this is not the context, but the words really work here, strive, Contend, which means strive for the faith. Strive for it. Uh, yeah. For by grace are ye saved. <laughs> Whew, quoted all the time and then sometimes can't get out. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that's what you should strive for, contend for. Give me the faith to believe. And it's a childlike faith. And I've used this example before. I don't want to labor this too much. But I've used this example before. I could take Tyler here or, you know, put him up here and say, jump. And he wouldn't think a second about it. It's fun. He's going to jump. He's going to just jump into my arms because he, but he, he's not even thinking about, he just expects me to catch him, expects my have the ability to catch him, my presence, the closest to catch him. And there's the childlike faith we should have. We are putting our 
soul into Jesus' hands because he's close enough. <laughs> he's sitting there saying, jump. He's sitting there saying, come. All ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. But just come, jump. Put your faith in him that he has paid the price to cover your sins on the cross. And, and when, when the water's troubled, strive, contend for the faith. And there's, the, there's to the sinners this morning. To the saints. Beloved, that's who he's talking to, the saints. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. He tells why you need to earnestly contend for it. So in this, in this contest, in this definition, it's not necessarily, well, it says to strive, to use um, earnest efforts to obtain. There's the sinner. But here's one that says to defend and preserve. There, there's where it applies to us. The saints of God to defend and preserve the faith. To defend it. Because he gives, why does it need defended? He tells you that in the next verse. But we're to defend the faith. We're to preserve the faith. Because it says that was once delivered unto, unto the saints. Because there are those that want to come in in the next verse. They're going to come in and try to break down. They're going to try to put stuff in. And we see a breakdown in this According to Usher's chronology in our Schofield Bibles, in the center column there, this was written approximately 66 years A.D. in the first century church. So 2,023 years later, 2,000 and figure about 40-something, 43 years later, we see... This still happening. We see it grossly happening in, in the church. My brother was talking and told me some of the things that had come into some of the churches that he had last belonged to, the church that he had last belonged to. His letter's still there. And I just shook my head. And then and other things that happens, and I, I, again, it's a warning to the saints, but we're, we're to grab hold of. He, he, Brother Glenn talks about the doctrine, and my brother talks about the doctrine. Um, my grandmother made the statement years ago when I first called, was called to preach. Now, Doug, I can hear her now. Don't preach doctrine. Doctrine divides. And in all those East Tennessee churches and Western North Carolina churches, they don't, but what they don't realize is the word, what the word doctrine means. When they preach Jesus, they preach doctrine. When they preach salvation, they're preaching doctrine. When they preach about the Bible, they preach doctrine like we're learning on Wednesday nights. But what they're getting at is some of these churches that my brother-in-law pastored a church in East Tennessee. This side of the church believed in the uh, pre-tribulation, rapture of the church, and this side of the church believed in the mid-tribulation. 
And basically, they, they continued to be in church and went on. Why? Because every other pastor before my bro- brother-in-law avoided the subject. <laughs> and so my brother-in-law not knowing that until that particular Sunday night, he preached pre-tribulation, rapture of the saints. Well, that's, there's a person in this side got mad, got in his face in the parking lot of the church and cussed him. Yeah. Creep. They crept in. <laughs> and there's churches, you know, church after church after church that just has these people, these, these things have gotten in, gotten sewn in. And we have to defend. We, but the only reason we, the one way we can defend, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, in, in this, uh, as a contender, using the word contend there, is to know our doctrine. And I appreciate this church because we, we stand on it, we preach it, we teach it. So we be strong in it. We understand it when these things come in. It's, ah, that's not right. We need to stand and preserve and protect. That's not saying not to invite folks in. I mean, we're to go out, my brother pointed out, we're to go out into the world and we're to compel them to come in in one scripture, but he didn't go there to preach the gospel to every creature. But when they, folks come in, for whatever reason they come in, we, we welcome in and one thing or another, and we pray that they're saved, and, and, and maybe they come in with the testimony of being saved. But we want to make sure that you know, oftentimes when we ask them about their salvation or we ask them about one thing or another, we, you know, we take time oftentimes to... To see what they believe so that we can protect and contend for the faith. Now, this contention here to dispute earnestly, to destroy, and, and here's another one to strive in debate, and another one to quarrel, to dispute fiercely, to wrangle. Now, <laughs> like two competitors. Now, we're not to, to quarrel and dispute fiercely and to wrangle like two competitors contending for the prize, the prize fight, you know. <laughs> they're going to get out and they're going to box. Why? <laughs> because they want the title of the world, you know, heavyweight champion. So they go in there and beat each other's brains out for the title. That's the prize. That's a content. That's throughout the scripture. First Timothy, Second Timothy, Paul throughout the scripture there talking about how that we ought not to have those disputings, have the quarrels. There's a way. There's a way to sit down. The Bible says, you know, come, let us reason together. The Lord says, come, let us reason together. Saith the Lord. Two men, again, going back to what Brother Glenn said about this word, and, there's, and like we said in our study on Wednesday night when we were first in bibliology, two men saying 
or the Constitution, the, the two houses of Congress up there, the two sides of the aisle, that every one of them raised their hand and said that we will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. If you have two men, one on each side of the aisle, that truly believe in the Constitution and truly believe in upholding the Constitution and use the Constitution as their, as their governing document, then you can have debate. One says, I believe it should be this way. One says, I should be this way. And healthy debate is good. It's not putting on gloves and getting in a ring and punching each other out. <laughs> it's one stating their opinion and their side, one stating their opinion and their side, and that's why we have the Supreme Court. Because when they make the laws, they say, okay, this went through and let's bump it up against the Constitution. <laughs> nope, that's unconstitutional. And then everybody has to be happy about it because they go back to that, that standard which is the Constitution. Same with the children of God. Children. <laughs> Believers. Beloved. But you have to agree on the standard. Two men can sit down. Brother, Brother Glenn talks about having discussions among, you know, and we get down at camp and we get in the room. And we, we talk. We talk about the Word of God and about certain doctrines or certain, certain subjects in the Word of God. I haven't been in one where we're throwing down, <laughs> where we're throwing down at the end of the conversation. But again, it goes back to the two sides, if you want to put it that way, the, two, the people in the party saying that this King James Bible is the standard. If you can't get beyond that, there's no reason to sit down and talk to nobody. It's just you, you just can't. You just, but if you can agree on the standard, then you can have a healthy debate. Not to the point of vain jangling, not to the point of contention, like Paul writes in his, his writings, but to learn from what iron sharpeneth iron. That's the benefit about it. I have seen certain things in the scriptures one way, get around in some of those conversations, and it was presented maybe another direction, and I had to go back and say, hmm. And I had to pray about it. And maybe change my views on it. <laughs> but I've been willing to sit down and humanely and brotherly love, beloved, brotherly love, to sit down and listen. And learn now. We can do that as brothers, like Paul's writings tells us about. But when it comes to this warning here, the Jude's warning, he says, know your doctrine, know your scriptures, know the truth, know, as it says here, 
the common salvation, he's writing about the common salvation, which includes all the doctrines, the doctrine of salvation and the, all the doctrines that we learned afterwards. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you. Why? For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. So certain men, and he says here, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Lasciviousness, I've, I, I, when I was here in June again, looseness. Lasciviousness, not a word we use every day. <coughs> looseness. Irregular indulgence of animal desires. Wantonness. Lustfulness. And we see that here more. The, this, this, we see lasciviousness here. And we see lust later on in here. Lustfulness and tendency to excite lust, to promote irregular indulgence. They, so these creeps are instilling into our salvation, our doctrine, lasciviousness. A looseness with a tendency to excite to lust. We said that once saved, always saved. And how that other people will in, in put it in there, that people accuse we Baptists, oh, you Baptists believe once saved, always saved. You Baptists believe in that you can just get saved and go on living like the devil, living in your sin. No, we don't believe that. Like Brother Glenn pointed out in Sunday school, yeah, that works together. We don't believe that. But there are some churches where these creeps have crept in and said, oh, yeah, what's wrong with that? Like I know, like misconstrue, miss and take out of, and like I pointed out, pointed out the other day there in, in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. The creeps will come into a church and say, that, that doesn't mean that there's excess in wine. That means you can... Drink wine, just not excessively. And see how that would damn the doctrines of the faith and how it would creep in and cause people to lust after then those strong, that strong drink in the wrong way? How, how it would be put some looseness in the standards, the sanctification standards in the Word of God? It would put some looseness there. Oh, I can still be saved, and I can go to church, but... I can keep a bottle in the upper cabinet. I can keep a can in the refrigerator. Only it's only occasionally. Do not even look upon the wine as it stirreth itself. My Bible says. Wine is a mocker. My Bible says. It laughs at you. Why? Because it's made a fool out of you. That's just an example of the lasciviousness, the looseness that these creeps have come in and say, oh, you can, oh, that, don't listen, don't listen to the preacher. 
But don't listen to Brother Glenn. Oh, that's that's old. That's that that you know. That's just this is the modern church. See how that just puts something in there that ought not to be. We need to earnestly contend. When we hear stuff like that, when we see stuff like that, we need to say, "Scotch it up, dude." Mark them. Watch them. Lasciviousness. They're turning into the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Again, that's exactly what they do. And they said, you can be saved and still live on any way you want to live. It just hit me. I'm going to say it. I've heard it in my past. You can be saved, be happily married, and continue to window shop. <laughs> You're not buying the product. You're just looking. Amen. Just little stuff like that. Creeps creeping in. Amen. Putting that mindset. That takes us away from be holy, for I am holy. Takes us away from, like, brings it out. It's amazing how God puts it That word sanctification, after salvation, not cleaning yourself up to salvation, but after salvation, saying, all right, Lord, I'm yours. Purify me. The church, we're to be presented pure as a bride without spot and blemish. Purify me. Put me in the fire, Lord. Take the dross out of me, Lord. Put me on the wheel. I'm the potter, and I'm, I'm the clay, and you're the potter. And as you put me on the wheel and begin to mold and make me what you want to make me, the vessel meet for the master's use. And there's a pebble in there that skews the clay. There's an impurity in the clay. Pure, that's sanctification. That's after salvation, not to be saved, but after salvation. But those will come in and say, oh, grace, grace, God's grace. And under God's grace, you're saved and you can still live very loosely. That's what the creeps will tell you. That's not what the doctrine says. And that's why we need to be very careful about knowing what the doctrine says. Like it says here, let's see, we're for certain men crept underwears who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning, our, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying, uh-oh, and denying the only Lord God. Oh, I've heard this too. There's so many denominations out there that, that there's got to be more than one way to get to heaven. There's got to be more than one God. No, there's only one God. Amen. And they deny him because it says the only Lord God. And they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. You mentioned a certain book. <laughs> that crowd that wears the white shirt and the dark ties, rides the bicycles, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ is God. 
on the surface, and I know men that was, that was drawn to that religion, on the surface, uh, well, one man went there. He, he never, <laughs> I don't think he even professed salvation. In fact, he told me he was going to go to hell. But the reason that they went down to the Mormon church was because the Mormon, um, the Mormon TV commercials that sh- shown some that showed the family and showed the focus. That's another group. Focus on the family and family standards and family values. That he says, I know that, that my two boys are not getting these values from me, so that's why we go down to the Mormon church, so they'll get them from them. Because I'm going to die early, and I'm going to die young, and I'm going to go to hell when I die. His words. And he died at 48 years old. He was right there. He had enough health problems when I knew him. And he's in hell today. How can you say that? His words. No profession of faith. Live like the devil. His words, he's in hell today. And his two boys, unless somebody comes by and pulls them out of the Mormon church, are going to grow up believing, denying the Lord Jesus Christ is God. Amen. They'll say he's a God. They'll say he is the brother of Satan. That's what they teach. They'll creep in and they'll say, well, there's, there's more than one way to go. You know, you, you, you know there's got to be some right in all of these. That is a lie of the devil. Amen. And he uses these creeps to put that lie in there. Amen. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. And he deals with angels and he deals with Sodom and Gomorrah and again he talks about all these, these, these creeps over here, these men that crept in other words. I'll use the, I'll use the, 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 the phrase in, in verse number four. Certain men that crept in other words, he talks them, he says that they are filthy dreamers in verse number eight. That defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of, of dignity. There's that tongue again. I'm not going to deal with them. We'll deal with us. We're almost done. How do we how do we respond as a child of God to these? Well, Jude tells us. He deals with these as Mr. Schofield in his little things, he calls them, you know, apostates and so on and so forth. Apostate teachers, how they're described and so on and so forth. When we get over here, back up. Let me go back up. Lasciviousness. I'm going to deal with this real fast. Lasciviousness. That looseness and irregular indulgence. James says in chapter number four, from whence come wars and fightings among you? He's talking to the saints. Come they not hence even of your lust that war against your members? Could it be that our lust that James is talking about is... It come from the, some of the, the lasciviousness that's interjected in by the creeps that Jude's talking about Amen. into the church. Amen. James is saying, you're warring amongst yourself. It ought not to be. Yeah. 
ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of, God, of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Back to Jude. So that's dealing with the lust. It, it, we, James, I mean, really plain there. You have not because you ask not. And there is a place here that we just see. So we're going to see prayer here in a second. Go to Jude 20. But ye beloved, now he's dealing with the us. He's dealt with the them, and I'm not laboring that today too much. He's dealing with us now. I want us, our response to the creeps, the men that crept in underwear, our response to these, to these filthy dreamers, our response to these that want to come in and wreak havoc against the doctrine which ye have learned, against our common salvation. Our response. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And I've highlighted parts of these words here. Verse number 20, build, building up yourselves. Build. Our response. What? So many times we try to change people. We try to change them. We try to fuss and fight and carry on and debate, etc., etc., etc. And you can't. I give the example to my son that's coming as in law school. I gave an example to his now wife that's a doctor and me as a preacher that there is the free moral agent and the free will of man. If I have a, even, even you could throw in the, the surveyor. Well, and I know that, let's just use the, the Hinkleys. I know that when they first moved into their current place, they, had, they, they talked to him about drawing because of maybe a property line that was in dispute or at least a question mark on it. So they come out to him, contracted him to go out to there and, draw, and find the corners. Found the corners, put it on a map, plotted it, gave it back to them. Now, if they presented that document to people that were having the problem with just exactly where the corner was, the right thing to do is say, okay, 
a professional surveyor come out and did this, and I am going to accept that, and we're good. Okay, we know where it is now, and go on. But there's so many times, I want another opinion. I don't believe that guy. Well, he does this for a living. He knows what he's doing. He's done it for a gazillion years. Same thing with a, a lawyer. You need some legal advice, you go to the lawyer, the lawyer says, here's what the law says. I don't believe it. Well, that don't change the law. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, this is what your problem is. This is the medicine and or the activity that will fix your problem. I'm not going to do Well, then you're not going to get your problem fixed. And then the preacher stands up here and says, Thus saith the Lord, <laughs> ye must be born again. Or, as a child of God, thus saith the Lord, this is how we're supposed to be living. Nope, not going to do it. I can't make you. The doctor can't make you. The lawyer can't make you. The surveyor can't make you believe and do anything. You have your own will. In the context of the conversation with the future lawyer, hopefully, and the doctor, they want to save the world. They want to, guide, they want to help, and I get that. I want to help as a preacher in the position that I am. I want to help folks. But if you're not going to follow the standard, I can't make you. Lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The old saying goes, you can present them with the facts and everything and say, here it is, it's in your court now. I can't bend your arm behind your back and bring you to the altar and say, repent. Get right. Change your lifestyle. What is that going to do? It's going to throw up your defenses even more. You're going to turn away from it. Whosoever will, you have a will that you have to exercise. And I can't make you. So, that being said, build. We are to build up ourselves on your most holy God, our most holy God. Build ourselves. Build ourselves in the knowledge of the word of God. Build ourselves in our faith. How do we do that? Pray. Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, he intercedes for us. He will guide us. Let me just read it. In Romans chapter 8, he says, uh, right here, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost, and when we don't really know how exactly to pray, you'll fix it. He will intercede. He intercedes on our behalf. 
when we don't know how necessary to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's what will get the job done. Build and pray. So building is something that you can do. Praying is something you can do. There are things that we can do as individuals that will help us against the internal part of this book. Them creeps. Them filthy dreamers. Them apostates. Judgment's coming on them. You know what the book says about it. Sometimes you just have to let go and let God. I know that's hard for us to do. But you can pray for them. God, I can't change them. But you can. God, I want to see them saved. Put up roadblocks. Lord, they're, or they're, you turn your young and loose and you see him going down some roads that he ought not to be going down and you're, you're hundreds of miles away and you can't be there but you can get on your knees and he can be there and you can pray believing that God will put up roadblocks in their lives to turn them, change them, direct them, and guide them from bad decisions. And trust God and have faith to do that. Keep. It's amazing. Brother Glenn, in John 17, 12, he said, Jesus kept us. He kept us. Jesus keeps us. The one that was given to him by God, but we ought, we, this is something we do, keep ourselves. Amen. What? And where? In the love of God. <laughs> and going back to the love message, and I know it's hard. Loving God first, our neighbor second, our brothers, the new commandment, our brothers third, and our enemy fourthly. It's hard. But I can't remember, you know, when it comes to, you know, especially the enemy part. I'm reminded there in Romans again, Romans 12, recompense no man evil for evil. Amen. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Amen. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, I will repay saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt keep heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's that love. Keep ourselves in the love of God. As a child of God, he gives us the grace of God, his grace, to love our neighbor, to love our brethren which are sometimes even brethren are unlovable, and to love our enemy. And then look. So we're to keep ourselves in the love of God and we're to look for some, look for some things. We'll build, pray, keep, and then look. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. His mercies endureth forever. So when we stumble... We go back to the mercy of God. 
and the grace of God and his forgiveness. And this is how we, and if we've fallen into some of the lusts that the lasciviousness has drawn us to, that's crept into the church. When we got our get sideways and sidetracked and, and don't hold it as tight as we need to be holding it and we fall, what we need to do is fall upon the mercies of God and ask for forgiveness. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. Again, well, it says, and, and others save with fear. So having compassion on people, saving, saving them with fear, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spot of the flesh. Sometimes you have to take a little bit more intervention in people's lives. Maybe they never come to Christ, but I'm talking in the physical. You have to make phone calls anonymously. Keep them from destroying themselves. Get people involved. I know. Having compassion when you can when you can show up and you can say, Hey, just I love you and I wanna I wanna help you, but they bite the hand that feeds you so many times. Say, okay, but I still love you. I want to get some, maybe some higher authorities and some other people involved in your life. It's not going to be me anymore. But your, your goal is, because of your love for them, your goal is to see them get out of the bondage that they're in and hopefully eventually get to a place where they're clear-minded and thinking about things that you can present them with the gospel again and trust in going back to the praying for them and the Holy Ghost that God would deliver them out of their sin. Now unto him that is able to keep you from, keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his holy and exceeding joy, I'm sorry, of his presence, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, Here's where I wanted to get to. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. All that we're doing is not for our glory. Living the way we're supposed to be living is to please Him, our Heavenly Father. Is to give Him glory in our lives. Not to boast, not to say, look at me. I was once, you know, a bum on the street living out of the garbage cans and God saved me and look, look at me now. It's not that. It's not to point to what I've done in my life. It's to point to what he's done in my life. That he gets glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. And the focus in this is his glory. And, and we ran reference, what, last week, week before last? I run reference to it quite often. But, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. The ultimate reason, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If we will ever get into the mindset that we are here 
for his glory. That what we do is for his glory. Every decision that we make should be for his glory. It will transform our lives. But we got to stay focused in that. And we we and, and approaching him and saying, you know, going back to the clay and the, the the potter and the clay and the 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 gold and the silver and the dross that's in us. Put me in the fire, Lord. I know it's gonna hurt, but ultimately my purified life will bring you glory. There's the mindset that we've got to have. And if we as children of God and I just remembered the title of a book that I've carried over there that I got from my brother-in-law about submitting under the smarting hand, the, under the smarting rod of God, or the smarting hand, smarting rod. The trials and the the trials that He puts us through are not pleasant, but they have a pleasant outcome in our lives, but it's to his glory. And when we get in that, that understanding of that and that mindset of that, then we are more yielded to him to do a work in us. And then when there's and then going when we look at our families, when we look at others, if we will just get that mindset of I can't change them, God. I can intervene maybe you can intercede and intervene to a certain extent, but sometimes you just have to say, take my hands off, and take, put it on your knees, get it on your knees, and say, here, Lord, you take it. You should be doing that anyway, but, I mean, sometimes, obviously, there are the, what, the things that you can do. Go and talk to them, and go and give them some provisions along the way. But, again, if that doesn't work, then walk away to your altar and give it to God wholly and say, I can't change them, Lord, but you can. I can't, I can't cause situations in their life to toss them to turn, but you can. It's difficult. And, to, and be there for when they fall. Be there for when they crash. I was speaking to one of my children lately. Dad, you always use us as your examples. I was speaking to one of my children lately who's not necessarily doing right. And I told him of the ways he needed to straighten up, and I said, and if you don't, I said, I said, I, and, and if you crash and burn, I said, you crash and you are a vegetable for the rest of your life, I want you to know that I will take care of you, pull you back into my home, and I will physically take care of you until my last day or your last day. I will bathe you. I will attend to your other needs because of my love for you. And I said, in the path that you're headed down, that very well could happen very easily. And he got pretty somber when you deal with folks like that. Because then he's seen himself as a quadriplegic and me having to feed him and me having to wipe him and bathe him. 
a young, strong man, and my love for him. But could we give our give our children, give our loved ones over, our friends, our neighbors over to that place and say, Lord, if even if you get to that extreme, I'm there for them. Do they know that you're there for them? But better to be, better to be in that condition. The Bible talks about if our right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If our right hand offend thee, pluck it or cut it off. Why? Because it's better to go through life maimed, I'm paraphrasing, than to go to hell. Whole. It's that serious, folks. It's that serious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you today for the day and Lord for the message and focusing me and helping me. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray that you'll take the message. And we as the children of God, help us, dear God, to be on guard, not to look at our brother, not to look at our neighbor, but Lord, again, to open the to get the mirror and the magnifying glass and turn it inward where we are with thee. Are we building ourselves up in the faith? Are we praying as we ought to pray? Are we fully committed to your um, working in our lives as a child of God? Lord, if there's one here that's lost and without Christ, I pray that today will be the day that you trouble the waters, that they would respond accordingly, that they would come and they would bow their knee in repentance and faith and to salvation. Pray that you'd work mightily in hearts this morning. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen. So I have a song of invitation. While this, they come with a song, you respond accordingly. Everybody stand. And if the Lord has dealt with you in any way, the altars are open to to come and take care of business.